to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. We're talking about um, building courage into others today. And I'm calling this message, Who's Standing With You? Who's Standing With You? And I came up with that before I remembered this song we've just heard. And uh, it's about building courage into others because, in fact, that's something that King David did most of his life, built courage into others. Acts 13 verse 22 says, And after he removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Well, last week we looked at Saul's reign and uh, as the first king of, of Israel. And we saw why God removed this man uh, in due time because of his half-heartedness and his disobedience. So now here in Acts 13, in Antioch, Paul is telling the Jewish worshippers that it was through the line of David that Jesus had come. Why was Paul making this link? Firstly, I think it was to establish that the Jesus that they had rejected had been prophesied by many of the Old Testament uh, prophets and scriptures. And secondly, that there was something about obedience and a soft heart that God loved. You know, most of us know King David as the boy who killed Goliath, who became a skilled musician and worship leader, who became a king and uh, messed up a bit, but fully repented of his sin. So Paul goes on to say to these people of Antioch in verse 36, For David, after he had served his purpose, or served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. And then in verse 37, But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. We said last week that everything in Scripture points to Jesus. Even when kings, good and bad, stuff up as God's delegated authorities on earth. You know, we learn something from that, don't we, about the perfect king that was to come. And even in the darkest moments of the old covenant, there's something to learn about our beautiful Saviour Jesus. And in contrast to the mistakes made by those who had it all, you know, earthly speaking, they had king authority and riches and servants, we see why Jesus stands out as the ultimate king, teacher, leader, mentor, friend, prophet, priest, deliverer, healer, saviour, Son of God, Son of Man, forever to be praised. Amen. Let's give him a clap. Let's give Jesus a clap for that. He is the perfect friend, leader, mentor, prophet, priest, deliverer, healer, and savior. Having said that, David 
did display many good qualities, or godly qualities, I suppose, that were admired in his generation and can still be admired to this day. In this series uh, we've been working through since January, uh, we've focused on what it means to dedicate ourselves afresh to the Lord. We started with Hannah, then we saw it in Samuel, and now to conclude the series today, uh, we're looking at David's dedication to the Lord. His heart for God was, was evident to all long before he received the kingdom from Saul. In fact, the testing ground between you know, receiving the call to be king here and, and, and receiving it from Saul uh, was, was a long time. In fact, this testing ground between receiving the call to be king and while serving under king and receiving it, it was really what made him a much-loved leader when his day came. And the character he developed in trusting God to deliver him against all these you know, tough times, against all odds, and heaps of enemies and times when he was hiding in caves and, and escaping by the narrowest of margins. You know, it, you know, it just comes through, doesn't it, in reading the Psalms. When we read the Psalms of praise and worship to God, we see this character being built into David that's built on hard times. And I believe his heart after God's own heart made him a man ahead of his time. In terms of the praise and worship that he, he, he brought in his day, you know, I reckon it was ahead of its time. So much of what we now know as true worship in the new covenant it was actually birthed by, by David in the old covenant. His intimacy with the Lord, his joy at entering into the presence of of the Holy Spirit and his fear of becoming half-hearted or unworthy to enter in are all great lessons for the church in 2021, aren't they? You know, we should be afraid of losing that fire, that passion when we, when we, when we, we skip worship, when we just seem to take it as it comes or just now and then. We've got to build it into our life to be um, in the joy of the Lord, having the joy of the Lord. I believe in the testing times ahead. This is just a little thing that I believe in my heart. In the testing times ahead for the church, we need to renew a spirit of prayer and worship and to dedicate, there's that word again, ourselves to trust God against all odds in order to see repentance and true revival come to our land, to our community, and to our generation, and maybe some more generations to come, who knows, before the day of the Lord's coming. That was just a little bonus thought there. So how did David do it? How did David do it, and what can we learn from this man? You know, the, when you go on a, on a long-distance flight, or any flight really, they do the little safety check at the start of the flight and um, gets to that oxygen mask. They say, put your mask on yourself before you help someone else. And I uh, think that's really what David. we can learn from David firstly, was that he didn't waste 
those years of solitary confinement, really, they were like self-isolation, looking after the sheep. He didn't waste those times. He put the mask on himself first and got tuned in to praise. He turned loneliness into praise, building his spirit up in the Lord by learning the harp and, to, and learning how to use a sling with pinpoint accuracy, fighting off bears and lions. And there's a lesson here for us. As we grow deeper spiritually, we need to be prepared for those enemies' um, subtle attempts, you know, to, to destroy us and our faith. He learned it through fighting bears and lions, and we learn it on our knees, basically. As, you know, in 1 Peter 4 verse 12, uh, it says, Beloved, don't be surprised. It's a good word, surprised. At the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing. See, it's actually good for us, as though some strange thing were happening to you. He's saying, Beloved, don't be surprised. Don't, don't, don't freak out. He's going like, duh, you're facing trouble. Get over it. God's got this. It's part of the journey. But I want to say it's a great journey. It's a great journey and it's worth it. You know, it's tough, but it's worth it. I used to tell the youth group, the Christian life's tough, but it's worth it. It's the right thing to do and the right way to live. The disciples eventually learned that they would, be, they would, they would rather be in a storm with Jesus than sailing on calm water without him. You know, is he in your boat? David was faithful in the small things. And by being faithful with that sling and the harp and just on his own, learning to worship, he was faithful and accurate when it mattered most in front of Goliath. Next. David built covenant relationships with courageous men. This is what I really felt the Lord was to say today to us, that we need to build covenant relationships and build courage into each other. And the first of which, he, he built a, a relationship with Saul's son, Jonathan. So if you want to turn to the Bible in front of you, if you've got one, or on your phone or whatever. It's 1 Samuel 18, 1 to 5. Let's read. Now it came about when he'd finished speaking to Saul that the son of Jonathan, uh, the soul, sorry, of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as himself. And Saul took him that day and that's David and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. That was quite a symbolic prophetic act. With the armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered. And Saul set him over the men of war and it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. You know, courage is contagious. Amen? Like attracts like. You know, if you want to be 
um, wise, hang out with wise people. If you want to become brave, hang out with brave people. Um, you become like who you hang out with the most. Bit of a worry for Jenny. <laughs> Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan was a warrior of some repute in his own right after his brave assault on the Philistines, if we want to look back to chapter 14. In actual fact, I would really encourage you to read the whole of 1 Samuel as homework. It is just full of gems and so fascinating, the stories. But anyway, back in chapter 14, there's a neat little thing where Jonathan just goes it alone with his sword bearer and they just kill a whole lot of Philistines anyway. So it's no wonder that he felt drawn to David after David had slain or slew Goliath. They could have started a little fight club business, you know, a little side hustle perhaps, <laughs> where younger men could pay them big money to learn from the best, you know. Wow, these heroes. And, um, and they could have got, you know, promoted. But instead, David and Jonathan chose to serve Saul faithfully to their own hurt. So when Saul gets jealous of David a little later on, after he's you know loved the music and the worship and it's helping him and all of that, but then he gets jealous. And when he gets jealous, and uh, it's not just like the boss, you know, has got this sort of you know little attitude. He's actually throws a spear at David, pretty obvious that he wanted to kill him. And um, so uh, David then, you know, has to leave. He's got to be careful. And David gathers around him a band of misfits, really, and rebels. Let's read in chapter 22. If we just flip over a little bit further to chapter 22, we're going to have our second little reading. Verse 1 and 2. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was disconcerted, disconcerted sorry, gathered to him and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. So David's kind of like gathering all these kind of guys that are unhappy and sort of been uh, not prospering and they're just wanting to be with someone who they can look up to and David gathers them all and, uh, and makes them into team. He builds team. He makes something out of nothing really. And so again, we see in these two verses that David was an inspiration to others wanting to be brave. You know, good character didn't seem to be a requirement to join David. Just courage. Every one of them would have died for David. A man by the name of Ernest Shackleton put an ad in the, New in the London Times wanting volunteers to go to the South Pole with him on an expedition. The ad explained some of the things they would encounter, but that finished by saying, you may not return. 
<laughs> and he got 28 seasoned sailors to go with him. And uh, they just had the most horrendous trip. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. They didn't make it. But they got back through Shackleton's good leadership, prayer, and God's miracles got them home. Um, in 2006, I stood up at the last day of Easter camp and said, we're going to do a kids camp. Does anyone want to be a leader and help us with the kids camp? We got 70 names. And they were just all the kids that perhaps weren't leaders at camp, but they were just kind of wanting to help. And they had a passion for the kids. They had a passion for the vision. They were available. And they loved the kids. They didn't have any experience, but they just loved the kids. And I got in trouble from some people that I hadn't vetted them a bit more carefully but I just knew that Jesus would win their hearts eventually, and so the leaders were actually as impacted as the kids. And I believe if people are placed in the right faith environment, you know, we grow. We get passionate and we grow in courage. You've got to position yourself under the, under the Lord and under his word. So finally, David knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord. This is, I guess, point three. Um, always got to be three. No, just kidding. Um, 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 to 6. So let's have a look at that. And this has to be one of my most favorite Old Testament stories ever. Let's read. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziglag, and had overthrown Ziglag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with them lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Wow. And David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam and the Jezreelites, Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. You know, here we see David at an all-time low. You know, when you haven't got any more strength to cry any longer, that's a pretty low point, isn't it? When all the tears are gone and there's just nothing there. That's a low point. He returns, you know, he, we went to offer his help to the Philistines. Sounds crazy, but it's all part of a big, bigger story. And then he finds his village in ashes when he comes back, burnt to the ground. And the women and kids taken along with all his men's women and children. You know, temperatures, human temperatures were running as hot as the desert sun over Ziglag. 
whew, would have been a bit of emotional time, I'd say. A moment of utter despair. And, uh, you know, there was uh, no, uh, welcome home, love. I bet you're parched and hungry and pretty stuffed from your three days of marching. Can you man the barbie? I'm just taping the news and getting the kids in their leopard skins. Instead, it was charred ruins, ashes, and silence. Perhaps apart from the mangy dog with the gammy leg whimpering in the shade of the only tree left standing. What a scene. David is the brunt of the criticism. He's blamed. He's the bad guy. The men start picking up stones, and David says, wait. Hang on. Wait. Give me time out with the Lord. Verse 7, he inquires of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? There's wisdom right there. He inquires. Don't we? We so often don't do that, eh? When things are bad, we said a couple of weeks ago, the devil doesn't leave us alone. He actually puts the boot in, and that's when we don't feel like praying. We say, where's God? Where are you, God? But he inquires of the Lord, do I go after these, these rat bags? And the Lord says, yep, get them. <laughs> Verse 9, so David went. He didn't wait for a consensus. He didn't wait for a committee decision. He didn't wait for the environmental impact report or for the insurance assessors to turn up. Or for a bank loan, he just went. He and his 600, by now, 600 disgruntled, tired, hungry men, they just went. Now that's leadership. Who are you influencing today? Is courage rubbing off of you onto someone else today? Perhaps the greatest influence we can be is on our kids, maybe our children or grandchildren, or perhaps our parents, if you're a younger person. My heart breaks when, you know, children don't get to hear the word of God because of parents' choices. I think, yeah, that's really bad. But anyway, who would join you if the chips were down? Who would join you if the chips were down? You see, the way up in Scripture is often the way down. And um, David had got to the very lowest point, and there was only one way to go, and that was up. And unlike Saul, when he was in a real bind, he chose to, you know, when, when Paul was in a real bind, he chose to panic and, and consult a medium. David, on the other hand, inquires of the Lord. Big difference. The hardest time to pray is when it matters the most. How do you handle acute criticism? Stoning, perhaps. That's where you pick up rocks. Yeah, that one. That's sort of stoning. How do you strengthen yourself in the Lord? The story ends well. David he gets not only every person and child back, but all the spoil as well. All his stuff. 
That's God going the extra mile, isn't it, eh? But 200 guys were just too exhausted to go that final leg and fight. And so they stayed by the, by the baggage, with the baggage. And when the 400 came back that had done all the work and got the people and killed the guys and loaded all the stuff and, you know, packed down, all that, they came back to the brook, Bezor, and some of them, not all of them, but just some of them were just really incensed. Oh, man, we did all this work and David's going to give them an equal share. See, David, again, he just shows that character that's been forged in all these hard times after the Lord. And he says in verse 24, For as is his share who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage, and they share, shall share alike. And that became like a principle that he put into practice. You know, if we dedicate ourselves afresh to the Lord's ways today, he will use us in a way that fits our gifting and our, our strengths and it'll fit the bigger picture. Whatever age or stage we're at, you know, he has a role for us. He has a place for everyone. Whether we stay, whether we go like Sarah, whether we send, whether we enable others to do stuff, we're all called to serve. And we all have different gifts. Amen. So who's standing with you? Who's getting that courage rubbing off? Who's you know, being influenced by your faith? Let's just remind ourselves of the Great Commission. It's good, isn't it, to be reminded. We, we need to be more often reminded than taught. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. That means going. It means learning. Learning another culture. Bless you, Sarah. We are a missional church. Our vision is to bridge the gap. Whatever that gap is, and we know the biggest gap is those who still don't know the Lord yet. To see many come and find new life in Christ, to bridge that gap of salvation. So let's dedicate or rededicate ourselves to being prepared spiritually, even if it's in the desert like David, bringing worship into our daily lives and our daily walk. Entering the presence of the Lord we spoke of some weeks back. Let's be courageous and prepared to step out in faith when that opportunity does come. And then we want to be a bit careful who we hang out with because we know there's always people we need to hang out with and it's good to be part of community and, and, and build community around us and unsaved people. It's great because they need to see how you roll. But let's be careful, you know, who we hang out with in our most intimate moments and who we share that courage with. And just allow that courage to rub off on those who are closest to us. Finally, let's strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God 
And we need to work out how to do that. Some for some, it's a walk, getting away. It's quiet. It's in the in the in the native bush or by by the sea. For others, it's just thinking about what God's done for them in the past. For others, it's remembering all of the good times in their life, all of the times when God came through. Whatever it is, it's in the Word. It's in in putting on a CD. Whatever it takes to do, you know, position yourself to be strengthened in the Lord when the chips are down and it's all going belly up. Knowing how we position ourselves in Christ is so important. We need to hear God's word written and spoken, amen. And let's not lose heart. You know, let's, it's easy, isn't it, to lose that heart. Oh, the world's going down the drain. Um, but look, we just need to, to keep doing good. The Bible says, don't lose heart in doing good. Galatians 6, 9, just keep doing good. That's all we've got to do. We're only called to lead people to the cross, then it's their choice. For in due season we will reap if, it's in capitals, if we do not grow weary. There's a condition. Let's not grow weary. Who's standing with you today? Let's pray. Lord, I just pray you would show us this, the depth of, of this scripture today that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And Lord, I also pray you'd um, bring those alongside who will strengthen us and that, that we can strengthen. Lord, that we will build team, that we will team up with those who are going to encourage us today and maybe even let some people go that aren't helping us. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us the wisdom and your Holy Spirit to know the difference. And Lord, we also pray that that courage would help us to just hold on to your, your word and, and see great things happen in faith, miracles, salvations, people being made new. And so, Lord, we just pray that whatever we do and whatever our part of this is, that we would do it well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the